Welcome to Southbank Centre's book podcast, where you'll hear us in conversation with the people shaping arts and culture today. If you want to hear from some of the biggest and most influential names in contemporary literature, then you're in the right place. In the latest episode of the podcast, we're going to feature highlights from another great event from Southbank Centre's London Literature Festival 2019 for your listening pleasure. Just to let you know, there may be some strong language and sexual references. Good evening, and welcome to Southbank Centre's Queen Elizabeth Hall. I'm Debo Amon, literature programmer here at Southbank Centre, and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Anthony Daniels' My Life as C3PO. Without any further ado, please have a wonderful evening and enjoy the event. Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm Brian Herring, a name that is synonymous with the word who? Uh, just a quick um, uh, justification of, my, of me being here this evening. I do have a connection with Star Wars. Uh, over the last six years, I've been fortunate enough to uh, take part in all of the new Star Wars movies. I work with the creature department as a puppeteer. And you'll probably know my work because I'm the lead performer of uh, BB-8. So that's me in the green suit running around in the desert. You thought it was all done with CGI, didn't you? Well, No. My connection with the galaxy far, far away goes back much further than that. Christmas 1977. My father took myself and my brother, I was then seven, to see the new film that everybody was talking about. And to say it blew my mind was a massive understatement. I was fanatical. I had the slippers, the pyjamas, the dressing gown, the bedspread, the curtains, and, of course, the toys. Star Wars really fueled my imagination. I wanted to know everything there was to know about these films. I was really, really interested. So interested, in fact, that I once had a school report come home that said, Brian's obsession with Star Wars will lead him nowhere and he should concentrate on his academic studies. It's been um, 44 years since you first met George Lucas. Why... Write a book now. Somebody asked me to. I'll do it. (laughs) But seriously, it's uh, over the years I've I've written various little articles or whatever. Things like the Insider magazine. I used to write the Wonder column. Anybody read the Wonder column? Thank you so much, sir. (laughs) I shall now address my entire speech to you. (laughs) You you had a chance, you know. Um, Over the years, I've been not a writer, but a, a wordsmith. Somebody can coin a sentence, if you will. And then, yes, the invitation came. And then it suddenly seemed, after all these years, to memorialize some of the, some of the good and uh, some of the not-so-good stuff. So that people, fans, people who read books, people who like Star Wars, would get a different viewpoint, an insider's viewpoint, from a certain point of view. <laughs> that was a very in remark for those people who know Obi-Wan Kenobi but the rest of you don't worry about it I, I took the challenge and it, it happened that I had time on my hands whether it was on trains, on aeroplanes at home in the freezing cold in France with no heating I have suffered for my art <laughs> but what I wanted to do was, was put down what did in the end to my surprise become a journey. And I didn't know that was going to happen until eventually I put all the pieces in order. What I've written is is a series, I didn't even want to have chapters because chapter headings get in the way. And when you read the book, you'll see eventually 
I realize that people do need a, a slight tether, a bust off, if you will. So I put chapter headings in, very, very monosyllabic. And then I realized that one of the things I enjoy in films, we all do, or in books, is a slight cliffhanger approach. So that I've written as though, as, as though presaging some kind of doom or something. Uh, so it's not always linear. And sometimes you'll have to really work out what on earth is he talking about? <laughs> well, you're probably doing that right now, I know. <laughs> what is he talking about? Because uh, sometimes, in a very sort of ancient Roman way, the subject will actually come at the end of the paragraph, and you go, oh, that was it all along. You know, in a film, everything is edited because the director has, has aimed you, and the editor has aimed you at something. And I wanted you to, to have a, a slightly free-flowing mm -hmm. uh, approach to it. And it, it is, of course, structured. I wrote in, in pieces, a bit of paper there, with, oh, and I, I always had to carry paper and a pen. I think George always did that, mm. yeah? And I would make notes about this, and suddenly, oh, yes, I should do that, notes over here. And, of course, the trouble is you can never find them. I mean, they're all somewhere else. But then I realized that you needed, I needed to put it on a structure. And the structure was, of course, the movies. And was there anything you used specifically to jog your memory? Did you go through anything or I, um, watch the movies back? Yeah, I'm not like a great archivist. So, yes, I did go in the attic and find all these storage boxes that were randomly just stashed with stuff, you know. And uh, some things I, I didn't know I had. You know, there's ADR scripts uh, uh, from, from the early movies. You mm -hmm. know, there's, there's the first script there which is nothing like the, not really like the film you eventually saw. Real collector's items, Real, some of them, so, yes. they, so they say. Um, and it is fascinating to see that cover. It says, The Star Wars, because it was uh, the first draft they gave me. Mm -hmm. They changed the name later. So, yeah, I was surprised at some of the stuff and then mad that other things that I vaguely remembered I couldn't find. So anybody out there <clears throat> who has memories, please, please archive them, because you never know. They may ask you to write a book. <laughs> yes, be warned. Well, I've read your book, and it's a riveting read. I really, really enjoyed it. So, so, I'm sorry, so, uh, what? I read your book. No, the other bit. It's a riveting read. Thank you. It's, I, uh, I, I, it's, I, I almost <laughs> missed it. I haven't sat down and read a book in ages, and I just I did it in two goes, and it's, 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 it's really, really good. It's a great read. <laughs> One of the things that struck me early on is that you, your desire to be an actor, mm. and that you always wanted to be an actor, but that wasn't necessarily the path you initially took. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? And, uh... Well, I think, yes. Because I know you, you came from a, a family that understood theatre, yes. didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Whereas I came from a, a more, um, how would you say, standard background. My father was a scientist, and I was a disappointment. <laughs> because he would have loved me to go into that thing, you know. But he even built me a miniature laboratory where I don't know what I did, but it wasn't for me. And then... All I ever wanted to do, and I talk about this in the book, the magic and the horror of having a calling, of having a vocation, the calling, the need to be an actor, is quite a challenge. Mm. And really it came down to it that really life wasn't worth living if I couldn't be an actor. And I wasn't even sure what being an actor was about. Do, do you realize that? I just, I just had this need, like tonight, I needed to get on the stage and show off. And I, I don't know if that's acting or what, but I cannot explain it because it's absolutely inherent in my system, or was. And so it was 24, I was 24 before I took my, I had the courage to go to drama school. Oh, wow. And who were your influences as, as, as actors? Or were there any heroes you I, had? I, or? I'm not sure. I did grow up, of course, in, in the days of uh, Laurence Olivier. Mm -hmm. Back then, television 
of course, people will remember the BBC armchair theatre and things mm -hmm. like that. And we did go to the theatre. And just gradually, I loved, uh, how would you say, the, the magic of a set, of, of talking, communicating with a group of people. You were very much theatre-based as an actor. Yes, I was. Um, back then, you know, television was fairly limited. You know, in my childhood, we'd have one, one BBC, and that was it. Then came colour, and now, we, you know, you can't move for product. Absolutely. So. So you hadn't even thought about doing films? No, God, that would be too... Oh, Something other off. people did, was it? Yeah. You, go off, you, you go off, you meet George Lucas, you, 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 know, you, you get I'm, this job. I'm, I'm reading my words. And then, me. how did you find C-3PO? I mean, as an actor, I, I've worked in some creature heads and as a puppeteer I'm constantly removed from things, but how did you manage to find that character completely encased... And I think I've said this to you before, it's amazing when you see these films, C-3PO runs the entire gamut of all kinds of emotions, and he never blinks. You manage to do something that's so difficult to actually make a character, you can see his expression change, although his face never changes. So what was it like trying to find that? What was the rehearsal period for it like? How, what was the process? The, the what? The rehearsal period. You know, all the, those rehearsals you get on films. Oh, yeah. Um, what, was, what was that like? Did you well, expand uh, on that? Well, I mean, we, we, where, where can I begin? We, we started making the costume, hmm. obviously. They started. These wonderful... Uh, first of all, Liz Moore, the sculptor, um, she made a statue of my body, so we took a plaster cast, not something I recommend. But then we ended up... That. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, then we ended up with this statue... And then she created the shape that we came to know, but then they had to make it in various pieces. So they made a prototype suit first, did they? They made all sorts of prototypes. And here you can see, you can see where we're going with this. I keep saying we, where they were going. They, they were the craftsmen. And um, as you can see, it's not totally complete, but you can see almost it's getting there. So how many pieces were that, was that suit in? Well, eventually, 17. And you? 18. <laughs> so did the, did the movement, did the suit aff, uh, inform the movement, or was it the other way around? Was it, did, did that did, suit tell you how you were going to walk it? Well, uh, half and half. First of all, uh, I mean, it is rigid. Um, this was in two halves to begin with, so it did sort of, it moved-ish. But I realised quite quickly that, that, that one of the things about a character is uh, how it walks. You know mm -hmm. this. With me, I had to really... And there was no rehearsal. They right. promised there'd be rehearsal. But I had no rehearsal. So back in the desert, you know, I was really working out. And believe me, to begin with, it, it was absolutely scary. And then I worked out something that 3PO slightly... Mm, kind of prissy personality, slightly... Um, very correct, almost Asian sort of quality. If you approach somebody, you know, in a, in a, in a sort of... Because I was top-heavy, uh, the costume weighed a ton, and I'm kind of working out how to do it. And then I realised, you know, if you're very heavy on the top, you kind of go sort of almost Frankenstein, because you, this force is now moving over that side. That's not 3PO's character, is it? But if he sort of takes gentler steps, then he really looks quite, quite nice, doesn't he? Non-threatening. So that was one of the things I had to do. Mm -hmm. And then the other one, which really was an issue for me, was that we as people use our hands and our faces and our head in all sorts of ways that, that magnify our expression, if you will. And I didn't have it. That was as near as my hand would come to my face. 
And that took away an awful lot uh, of expressive capability. So I had to learn how to use, as you will, as a puppeteer, because basically we're doing the same job, you and me, is to use what you have got, which is the middle, which is a tremendous source of, I would say, energy or, or lack of energy. You know, if you get sick, it sort of is starting here. If you're sad, it sort of starts here. But you're absolutely right about the eyes. And one of the captivating things about uh, Lismore's sculpture is those big, round eyes that are so soulful or can be so expressive. And a bit of me doesn't know how it works. So you speak a lot in the book about the, the, the making of the initial movie. And then, of course, that movie is released. And so that was a big party and everyone was having a great time, right? Yes, they were. Sadly, I wasn't invited. I, uh, it, 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 wasn't a, it wasn't a great time. They, as you'll read, um, they wanted, and, and people believed them, that C-3PO was a real robot. So they didn't kind of want me around, because I might have given the game away. Mm. So I watched all this from a distance. Can you believe that? That I watched around the world, the press coming in, and, and seeing all this hoopla about, about this movie that I was in, but suddenly I wasn't in. That was a difficult time. With that in mind, then, why did you do The Empire Strikes Back? It was a job. Fair enough. <laughs> no, seriously, it was a job. I'm an actor. <laughs> I need the money. You're kidding. And that's true. It's a fact. But also something curious had happened. I realised that I actually really liked 3PO mm. to the extent I, I wanted to look after him. I almost became his keeper in my mind. Nobody, mm. you know... It was my feelings, not nobody else's. So, yes, I said, yes. That's where things began to change. Okay. And then it all went quiet for about, I don't know, until about 20-odd years ago when they decided to do three more. That's right, and that came, really came out of the blue. I, I thought it was all over, you know. I said bye-bye to the, the first trilogy, mm. um, which was six... What was it? One, two, three... It was four, five, and six. Four, five, and six, yeah. 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 Uh, your school reports were right, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> you just crap, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I got this call to go to... Everything for an actor changes with a telephone call. Mm. And uh, here was me listening to George talking about episode one, so the prequels. And um, were they a very different experience oh, yeah. to yes, the original yes. trilogy? Yeah, because the world... Yeah, you have to realise, in the interim... Something magical, something really magical had happened, which was uh, the growth of green screen animation and uh, the growth of industrial light and magic. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that was that film about the dinosaurs. What was it? Jurassic something Jurassic or other, yes. It's not one of ours. Um, Jurassic Park was breakthrough in, in entertainment. And from there was the great jump off. But because green screen was the, the new thing on mm -hmm. the block... People kind of got into it a bit heavily, I think. We even felt that within the puppetry industry because everything was going digital, so there were fewer and fewer... Going digital. Going digital. Mm -hmm. So there were fewer and fewer practical effects. Yeah. And then, of course, we hit the sequel trilogy yeah. and they decided they wanted to do everything in, with the, in the old ways again, so back came practical effects. Yes. And, and along came J.J. Abrams. Along <laughs> came J.J., crazy person. J.J. was 10 when he saw the original Star Wars, mm. and uh, he, he remains, what, some 30 years later, 40... Yeah, he's older than I think, isn't he? Uh, 40 years later, yeah. Um, he's still that 10-year-old. You know this. Absolutely. You've seen him on the set. He's Absolutely. like bumbling with enthusiasm. Yeah. It's he's, magic. He's, he's the heir apparent, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yes. Uh, 
Um, but he, he loves real scenery, and I love real scenery. If you think about it, you don't need scenery, really. But it's magic for the actors, isn't it? Because I was always going out and poking things to see what they were really made of, and uh, I didn't destroy anything. But it is magic, and you don't have to act the, the sense of the scene because you're in there, in, in rooms as big as this, with towering scenery above mm -hmm. you. And it's just a treat on a daily basis. To I mean, was, it, was, was, it, was it strange to go back onto the Millennium Falcon after all <laughs> those years? Because it is a set that makes grown men cry. Um, <laughs> Having been on it and messed around on it quite a bit, it is, it, it is quite something to behold. It, it is true, but in the cockpit, you know, I, I was just uh, Galaxy's Edge where, in uh, California, where you get to uh, Disneyland, where you get to fly the Millennium Falcon. Mm. You know, and the screens are all live and you're shooting at things and all that kind of thing. <sighs> at the studio, it's not like that, is it? No, it's not. You are just sitting there pretending and there's a bunch of people staring at you because they're bored as heck. And you're going, yeah, but nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. It's all done in, in post. So if you want a real treat, uh, go, go to Galaxy's Edge. But was it strange to come back into that situation after, with those actors and you know, ah. in that scenario? It wasn't strange to come back as 3PO because <clears throat> of all the things I'd been doing, uh, voiceovers and uh, things like the wonderful Yoda Chronicles, uh, um, made out Lego, Lo absolutely love Lego. And they were a great um, partner, in a way, with Star Wars. They, they've gone together into the future and obviously now branched out to other films. We don't talk about that. It was uh, magic to come back. And then, of course, there is Carrie. And, and Harrison, and it, it all began to feel... Because the, the uh, prequels were very different. I mean, uh, different cast, different storyline, different atmosphere, as you can read. Um, and then suddenly, it's almost like coming back home, in a way. Because there was Carrie. Both of us older, but, but both of us still the same. And, of course, a whole new generation of new, of new Star Wars characters, be it Ray or Finn and Poe. Oh, are you, uh, is this your build-up to your character? Is it my go? Um, yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, and then the and little then, round rolling be, robot, but, yes. But, yeah, uh, and I was always worried that uh, other robots were going to upstage me. <laughs> <laughs> you mean they did? <laughs> you mean BB-8's funnier than me? Well, it, it's, it's interesting because what we were talking about earlier with you managing to act that character, perform that character without your face. It's very similar with BB-8, and it's, 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 it's very much, you have to find the attitude and the humanity in these things, or the canine in this particular case, with, 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 in, with in an inanimate object. Yes. And that, I think, has is, is been the key to C-3PO's performance all the way through, because when we were developing BB-8's character, we were told to kind of maybe keep it a little bit more robotic, and then I pointed out that C-3PO double takes. <laughs> And nobody would program a robot to do that because yeah. the one thing about Star Wars is they have the most human robots. They, you know, because you know, you've got a butler and R2-D2 is fundamentally a foul-mouthed plumber. <laughs> um, it's true. It's absolutely <laughs> true. But, but here was the big difference. That not only am I seeing this ball at the beginning, and, of course, you were there. Yes. And um, you, can, you can read what I call him in, in the book on the set. Uh, and then eventually we do scenes together. Mm -hmm. And here is an extraordinary breakthrough, because many of you will know that R2-D2 is totally silent on the set. You know, he's, he, well, he's about that big. Mm -hmm. And um, I would talk to it, you know, 
Where are you going? Nothing. <laughs> well, what makes you think that a settlement's over there? Nothing. <laughs> well, go that way then. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you near-sighted scrap pile. Nothing. <laughs> and it, it, it was very difficult. Um, I had to get into the, into the, can I use the word art? Yeah, go on, into the it. art of pretending. Um, because eventually I wrote out what I assumed were his lines. Because you can't just wait for your cue. Where are you going? Oh, you have to imagine what he's saying. Go, what? You know, you have to react. So I had to write the lines out. Nobody warned me that mm. Artie wasn't going to speak. And then, of course, time moves on. I'm on the set. We're now in another set. And there is BB-8 for real. And then here is Brian. <laughs> and he... Could you give us your BB-8? <laughs> so, well, you've you got to ask, you it, you ask it a question. <laughs> you ask it a question. OK. BB-8, what are you doing here? <laughs> that made such a difference to me. Suddenly, I, I had a friend. I was talking with somebody. It was all happening. The only problem was... I mean, look at this face. Look. The only problem was the ball was down here and Brian's here. So do that again. And action. Wait, BB, no, no, sorry. I'm sorry. sorry <laughs> Line. OK. BB-8, what are you doing here? <laughs> Do you see the problem? I started looking at him, and I'm meant to be talking to the ball down here. Now, you had a different job, as I recall, on The Last Jedi. You were drafted in. Uh, yes. To, they, uh... yes. Yes, yes, yes. They, um, I wasn't very much involved. Well, I certainly wasn't in this scene. It was again on, uh, it was on the 007 stage, which is the biggest stage in Europe. It's enormous, and it's where all the James Bond, James Bond films are, are made. And they came to me and said, you're not in the scene, but we would love you to do a mime class or a, uh, an acting class with five waiter droids. And I, I talk about it. And the, here is an example. Um, terrifying with, with the glasses of champagne, read about it. Uh, <laughs> but what, what was magic for me was that after all these years of being looked after by so many different teams over the years, starting with Phil McDonald, Maxi, and so on and so on and ending up uh, with uh, Joe and Sophie, that suddenly I was given the chance, curiously, to pay back, to, to know what to do for somebody in, in a terrible suit that needed looking after, almost like a baby, somebody unable to care for themselves. And I got immense pleasure from this practical... The only thing was, 007 stage is enormous, so if the mm. camera's up this end and you're watching and they cut, you then have to run, what, 300 yards it's down there it's... to sort things out, run back again. Uh, it was quite a workout. And did these guys have the use of their fingers? <laughs> I... I, I, I it was only in this, the last film, the one we just mm. did, that I had fingers. They did have fingers, but actually what you can't see there, and please don't spoil the surprise. He's holding the tray like that very securely because he got Velcroed fingers and he was stuck to the tray. <laughs> he had to go home in those fingers, I tell you. Um, it's quite a dramatic uh, moment in the book. 
Now, that was The Last Jedi, and of course, we have not long finished on the rise of Skywalker, which will... Um, you, it isn't finished. <laughs> I'm saying nothing on that one. <laughs> I was What's in... wrong with you? They're <laughs> watching. <laughs> I, I, I was in Washington on Friday in, in America, which, um, and as always, my phone it's rings. So much trouble. And it's Jay. All I will say is the director on the phone saying, could you just do this? <laughs> so it, it isn't over. Look, he's like a naughty schoolboy, all right, JJ? Because mm. um, he will fiddle with this film right until yeah. the last, last minute. Um, Absolutely. Um, I, I, will be, I will say that um, in, in some ways I stopped learning the big scripts because it, it, it would change that night and then it would change the moment you arrived in your trailer in the morning and then it would change on the set and then the, the script would be slightly the same but slightly different so my brain is like really fractured on this <laughs> but it is still in the making because believe me JJ is making a film that has pleased me so much and I think it's pleased you too yeah. because the saga is coming to an end and it's coming to the end in a very fine way that I think will satisfy everybody. But I'm not here as an advertiser for, for the film. I'm here because I've written a book. Now... Have you any thoughts about the fact this saga is now coming to an end and that we may not see 3PO? See 3PO? Um, I love it, yeah. yeah. See what I did there. That's good, you worked out. Um, Yeah, totally. Uh, That we may not see 3PO after this. I have very good thoughts about it because the story needed to come to an end. Mm -hmm. You know, it could have trailed on forever. Like, I mean, even, even, what's that other programme? Game of Thrones. Mm. Yeah, that seems to have gone on forever, but even that's ended. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and so, in respect almost to the George Lucas's original plan, it had a beginning, all right, the beginning was here. Uh, I don't understand. Um, but now the end is here. And the end is fine. Uh, it's a good end. And I feel okay about it because, uh, well, partly 3PO has a good time, partly the story is very good, and partly maybe it is time to stop. However, don't think it's over for 3PO. My, I know uh, there are other projects that at least vocally, that uh, I'm sure mm-hmm. they will come to me, and I, I'm very good about that. I will admit that the last day on the set was difficult. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it was natural, I think, that I felt a bit... But uh, there we are. I, I will just ask you very quickly, had that suit changed very much between the 70s and now? Yes, um, it, <clears throat> when JJ asked me if I'd be in his film... <laughs> What was I going to say? Um, <laughs> I said, uh, he said, would you just like to do the voice? And I said, no, no. He said, quite right. But I would, I said, like a new suit. He said, quite right. That's the way JJ talks. Brilliant. Um, and they 3D printed it, which uh, meant you could, you could change things in the CAD, uh, computers and all that kind of thing. And bits of it worked to my advantage so well. The face, the head that used to take half an hour lining up screws here and here, half an hour, which meant they didn't want to take it off because it would be half an hour to 
to put back on again. And studio time is very expensive. Now it is. Did you like that? I did. It's very good. Do it again. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Never doing this again. I, I did, um, whilst I was actually researching this, I did speak to. You've researched was, this? I did. I know I've written things on cards. It's great. Ah. Um, Dave Merriweather, who. Ah. Dave Merriweather is uh, in Creature Effects, I think, and he is a genius of uh, making things out of plastic and electronics mm -hmm. and, and he, he's adorable. He came to me with the exploded version on a computer and I could see all the bits that he, he was making. And he was making them from, from photographs and memories because he wasn't allowed to touch the thing in the archives. No. Which is like, so he, do you know him? I do, I do. And I, I spoke to him this week and he said um, when somebody, he was on a, the job before he took The Force Awakens, and he'd said, someone said to him, what's the best job you've ever had? And he said, the one I'm about to do next. Because he was so excited. And it was, it was me. And it was you. And it, and, and, and it was you. <laughs> I delightfully. And he, uh, seriously, the fact that it will go on and off in two or three seconds-ish uh, means that after each shot, they can just take it off, wipe my face, uh, and breathe again, and put it on at the last minute. I cannot tell you the difference because... You know, going right back to the beginning, I wore that suit for about seven hours in the desert mm -hmm. without taking anything off. And again, it, it's there to read about. And th that became a kind of mm, torture in a way. Uh, and now with this transition. And this is why the, the story in the book makes, it's one of the examples of why this, this journey mm -hmm. ends on a bit of a high. Yeah, because you, it took several hours to get you into it the first yeah, it took over two hours, and I'd had enough, but we hadn't even started shooting. I wanted out of this. But we were in the middle of the desert. There were no taxis. I couldn't leave, you know. <laughs> but they got it down to how long in the new ones? Well, on a good day, it's about five minutes. There you go. That's well, I've got this great team, Sophie and Joe, who... Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's all laid out, a bit like a, an Ikea thing, you know. You, you, <laughs> uh, you just have to check there's nothing left on the table at the end, so... So has writing this book been therapeutic for you? Yes, and I, I will admit that some passage, passages were quite hard to write and put me in a bit of a mood for a couple of weeks or whatever. And then I, I would find things were really quite joyous and quite silly and quite funny and mm. quite lovely and quite touching. And I, I hope, if people read it, they will see a balance in the force, in the book, that... Yes, it, it, it was therapeutic in, in many ways, and I'm quite, quite glad about that. There is a definite um, journey in the book, because, as I said, I have read it. And um, it's... You've got a free copy, that's uh, why. There is you that. Mean to buy but um, there, there's definitely... You, again, as you, you, you've discussed tonight, you were quite down on the original film, but then by the, and your, and, and, and your, um, your treatment therein, but then by the time you get to the end you seem to be having an absolute blast. Yeah. And, it's, and it's interesting because it's not really, uh, it's not just for hardcore Star Wars fans, this book. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting, I've found it as a very interesting autobiography because C-3PO has been the big part in your, in your life. And it's interesting the relationship you've almost had with that character through that book. And I think if you suddenly find this, if, some, if you give this to a Star Wars fan in your life and um, you it, then it find may, yourself it reading it. It does make a great Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> and after they've read it, like two days later, pick it up and have a look at it because it's a, it's a really, really fascinating read. 
Um, I've got one more question. But, but, but it isn't, it really isn't for, uh, just for Star Wars fans. No. It, because I, I've had a journey just as, as many of you have, it's, and we all live in different circumstances. But I can see why they changed the title on me, because we know it's not my title, don't we? Well, I do. I yeah. don't. Have we mentioned this? No, we haven't. <laughs> And you, well, uh, you see, I, I had the, uh, when I came up with it, I wrote all sorts of things, man in the golden mask, inside the mask, behind the mask, all the things about masks. And then I came up with telling the odds. Thank you so much. Because, because 3PO, 3PO has been bullied, intimidated, I think you said mm -hmm. when you came on, as I was waiting quite a long time in the wings to come on myself. <laughs> Would it ever end? <laughs> 3PO has been put down, pushed around, ignored, all these kind of things. And finally, I felt I had the chance to let him say, in reference to Han Solo's famous line, telling the odds, like sod it for once, I'm actually going to tell the truth. I think they should have called that book Shut Him Up or Shut Him Down. But that's, that's, that's <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the irrepressible Anthony Daniels. <laughs> Thank you. That's it for this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the Southbank Centre Books podcast in all the usual places. For more information about upcoming events, go to southbankcentre.co.uk or look us up on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. <laughs>